Alrighty, welcome to another episode of Look, of the Lookout Podcast. Today yeah. with me is Glenn Straws. Thanks for joining me, man. I really, really appreciate yeah, this. Thank you. You, uh, we've been friends for a long time, man. You're an interesting cat, and Bronson actually kind of volunteered you for this, so I'm really glad he did. Oh. <laughs> He volunteers me for a lot of stuff. He does, man. Well, and like, I mean, we first, I guess, kind of track back to say our history. Like, I first met you, I think, at hunting camp. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. We had your octagonal mm-hmm. canvas tent, wall tent. Yeah. And uh, and then you know we were talking about last night the the Swiss cheese wall tent showed right. up later on. Right. That that hunting trip, but special trip for me because that was my first mule deer and yeah, first time I was able to take my Land Cruiser out and do some hunting. That mm-hmm. old sixty five of mine, you know. Yeah. God, I, got, I forgot to show you that photo, man. I got that epic photo. With, like, your tent in the background, a little bit of smoke coming out of it, you know, yeah. out of the wood burner. And then my lankers are kind of facing your tent, and, the, you know, you get the stream in the background right. a little bit, you know. I think that was pre, pre, uh, what was the jacuzzi? I think, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was that year, because we had a friend, Isaac, who is this, like, ultimate Boy Scout. Yeah. I didn't even know if he was in the Boy Scouts, but he just could make stuff like that, and he made... Like he crossed, he he had like this big, big log that was sitting across, and he had two X's on each side. He like draped a tarp, and we had it all strung out, and it was like, I don't know how much it was, like fifty square feet of like just good dry cooking space. Yeah, we had we had two wall tents backed up to each other as a Taj Mahal. That was a awesome, hunting man. camps. Yeah, and then we we put took an old horse trough, water trough, set it up on cinder blocks. And we can build a fire underneath, and the creek was right there. So you just bucket water in there, build a fire. Half an hour later, you just soak. And oh, it was awesome, man! I mean, you, you go up hunt all day, hunt all morning, midday break, just go soak. Yeah, and you know, get cleaned up, and you know, you're just sweating and dirty and chafing, and just you know, it was just nice to go jump in and soak. And yeah, yeah. man, and kind of having the cold and hot therapy right mm-hmm. there too, because like yeah. Where our hunting camp was, I'm not giving anything away here, but because uh, I'm just not going to say anything. Uh, but it is dirty, steep coming out of camp. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're basically in this notch that looks like a right. bee in this canyon. So right. it's like, you're, well, it's funny if you hike upstream and keep going. It's literally you got to walk through the stream in a few spots because it gets so boxed in. Yeah. But like you get through a certain spot and it just opens back up again, and it's just good. Yeah. I you know I spoke quite a few uh, whitetails back there. Oh really? Yeah, just good deer, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I haven't spent as much time up there as like mm-hmm. you and Bronson and the rest of our crew. But right. um, man, I've seen some big animals back there. I mean, yeah, big old herd of elk. But I, man, I don't think I've actually just off the top of my head. I can't think of a whitetail I saw back there. Were there decent whitetails? Yeah, they are. They they come up from the so the bucks. You know, they're, whitetail obviously in this area is down on the river bottoms and down in the alfalfa fields. So all the ranchers. Yeah, yeah. And they'll those bucks will come up to find a good spot to bed down when they're done or you know when they're they chase tail when they come up and yeah. bed down and they go back down oh so you. so they're coming all the way all those alfalfa fields yep. on the other side yep. up and, and a lot of people don't think about it but like you know we've we've saw some decent whitetail up there yeah but they're so elusive and hard in that open big country and they can see obviously you see for miles yeah and you'll almost like the antelope you know the antelopes yeah. can see you for forever yeah absolutely and no yeah. one you know you it's just big open country, so you know I've hunted in areas where the whitetail it's brushy, it's it's thick, and you spook them, and then they run away, but they only run like seventy five yards because they're 
they're in cover again. Oh, yeah. So they're safe again. Yeah, yeah. And so if you spook one up, it's not the end of the hunt. Yeah. You just give her five minutes, let, let them calm down, and then restart your creep, and you can you can still catch them. Oh, really? Jeez. Yeah. That's good. You know, know, like you spook an antelope, and if you're on foot, obviously, you're you're done. Yeah. Because right? they're gone. They're in the next county. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's where my brain goes, because, mm-hmm. like, my, you know, my folks' property, like, right. it's all antelope country. So, like, you know, even as a kid out there just kind of trying to put the stock on it, it's right. like, they're gone. And then it seemed like even... Like you said, sometimes like a deer will even come back, you know, like mm-hmm. once pressure's off. Like right. those antelope, man. Like there was this giant oh, buck yeah. that I was trying to stalk at my folks' place, and I don't know if I ever really saw him again. Yeah. <laughs> I probably chased him yeah. to some other hunter, and yeah. that was it for him. Yeah, you know, it, I don't know. This is a great spot. You yeah. know, it's gets pressured, but if you just kind of know the country, you know, and are patient, you can make it happen. That's yeah. what. Yeah, that's what the great thing is about like just the knowledge of the country. Like I know mm-hmm. it pretty well, but like not as good as like you and Greg and Bronson, mm-hmm. you know, and and my dad and everybody. So and Carl, yeah. you know, it's so all the folks that come up. So it's like you hit one spot and it can be kind of a dead spot or a dead day, right. and you're like, man, I wonder where that. You know, it feels like they're hiding, right. and it's just like, oh man. Well, usually if they're not here, they're here. So that helps a ton because I mean it's big country in Montana. You know, it's yeah. really easy to spend all day hiking and not see even cut tracks. Right. You know, so. And that's where optics come in. Yeah, doing your homework. Absolutely, um, I'm still getting trying to get better at that. I used to, right? As a kid, man, I was just wanted to hike, like especially in high school and college. You know, I was like, I'm just gonna get on a pack and hike and cut some tracks and see right. what I can find. And that's just, man, it's just. And you know, I first started, I started hunting in '07 when I first moved out here to Montana, and it was, um, you know, I was, I was late twenties. Yeah, just coming out of the military, like I'm gonna learn yeah. how to hunt. Yeah. And it took me a couple of years because first I thought it was like you just go hike, yeah, you know, just just start just run up the hill, run down the hill, you'll bump into something. Yeah, exactly. And then you know as as I progressed and learned from other people, um, it came it came to like okay, well you're just wasting your time if you're doing that. Yeah, spin spinning your wheels, and I mean I guess it's a good workout, but like right. it's not getting any closer to animals. And, no, you know at the end of the day that's what right. that's what it's about trying to harvest. You know. Yeah, and, and then opening up your shooting you know start getting that 300 yard shot in start getting that 400 yard in yeah yeah practicing that, that at homes yeah yeah you got a nice range you and your wife got mm-hmm. a nice range at your place yep. that's so huge man and like i think a lot of people too like who go out and hunt who carry handguns you know like mm-hmm. i don't think they shoot enough man you know because right. like and that's coming from me who shoots enough i'm not enough not enough it shoots right more than i probably average person i would say right. you know like my dad's got a range you've got a range like i've got enough property where i could have a range at my house and you know i plink at some cans but nothing crazy and it's like but every time i you know do go do some plinking mm-hmm. you know like with a 40 or nine it's like i'm a little bit over the board at first all over right. the board so i was just trying to relate that to handguns but like especially long gun i think people get a little more comfortable with you know like a 7mm or 300 like you know like as long as you get a good trigger pull and stuff you can keep it pretty tight right. but like you still want to practice with that too right. and I think, you know, one of the things that's helped me with my shooting is I've got, you know, the 300 in the bolt. Well, I went and bought a 223 in a bolt in the same style. Oh, yeah. And so it's just cheaper to go shoot, you know, I don't know, the cost on a 300, $1.20 a round. Yeah, man. And 223s, you know, it's still expensive, but you're, it's like 75 cents a round, you know. Yeah. And so that just cuts that cost of practice down quite a bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like in the 9 I mean, mil. same motions, as long as you, you know, get it set up the same you just shoot the cheap stuff and then you take the big rifle off the shelf and and use that to like end the day. Yeah. You know, take a couple shots to that. Okay, that's my practice session. Absolutely. And it is, yeah. you know, you look at a musician who sits down and practices an instrument, you know, they, they just 
no one's in the room. Yep. They just learn that piece. They memorize that piece. They work on that piece. And well, the same thing with shooting to me is you got to have those practice sessions that like, – because I don't – like I'll go up and shoot with other people and play and have fun. Like that's great. I yeah. love that. Yeah, but yeah. if I'm going to sit down and practice, nobody on the range, just me. I like that, man. Yeah. Because – and I think that would be better for me because mm-hmm. my ADD, man, like, you know, it like gets a little competitive and I'm not really focusing right. on myself. And like when I'm shooting, I'm like, I want it to be like in mm-hmm. the 10 ring or whatever, you know, like, right. but I'm not, I'm not really like really focusing on that trigger pull, you know, right. and, like, yeah, that's, I definitely, and my breathing, I approach that with shooting and, and you yeah. have to break it down into sections, you know, you break it down to, you know, you gotta have your base, yeah. you gotta practice your base then you gotta practice your trigger squeeze. Then you gotta practice your sight picture. Yeah. And then you put all those together, and that's that. What makes a good shooter? Yeah. It's not just I'm gonna just sit down and shoot and do all the things at once. And no, yeah. it's it's okay. I'm gonna get down here in the base. I'm gonna dry fire a bunch with my trigger control. Yeah. When I get up to the knee, I'm gonna dry fire a bunch. With my trigger control. Like when I go in practice, like I maybe shoot one round per ten times that I pull that trigger. Oh really? You know just. Doing a few dry fires. Yeah, just dry fire, getting that base, getting your knees right, getting that arm right on your knee. Yeah. You know, standing shots, which you obviously don't do while you're hunting, but yeah. you know, it's it's good practice and get down in the prone, get off the bench. Yeah. People practice on the bench all the time. Oh yeah, I'm ready to go. No, get off the bench. That's a really good point, man. Because right. yeah, and you know, I think guys like us have been doing it for so mm-hmm. long. You know, like we don't maybe like first to dial in like a new uh, right. scope or something or a new right. gun. The bench you know? is great yeah. for dialing in your gun, getting your gun, learning the things. But if you're gonna practice, like you play, yeah, you get get off the bench. That's a, that's a really good point, man. And mm-hmm. and that kind of ties into like what I want to talk to you about on this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's just like getting you know not being afraid to get into something new you know especially like outdoorsy stuff and that's like kind of one of the hubs of the podcast is like getting out there and doing stuff like hunting fishing and um and just like tips like that i think are huge for folks you know like dry firing man like right and then and then having like you said those two similar making models rifle you know with different caliber because then everything feels the same the stock's the same the trigger's right damn near identical you know and then Mm -hmm. And I, I actually, luckily, I don't know, I fell on this with, like, Glock, you know, because, like, the hop, the hype behind Glocks, you know, like, you can bury them in sand or whatever, you know, throw them in the water, and they still work. So I'm like, man, I want something that reliable. And they get a little funky trigger. So, like, when I first started shooting, I'm like, oh, I'm not so sure, but now I got everything Glock because that's what I got used to, right. you know? Yeah, and, and I love Glock pistols, and they're they're great pistols. Like, I'm a 1911 guy, but still, yeah. um, as long as you know what, the, you know, it's not about the trigger, it's about you, yeah. how you handle the trigger. Yep. You know, and, and it's awesome. I bought jewel triggers and put them on my Remington's. Oh, really? Um, but at the same time, it, it just that's a little tool to enhance your work. You know, it's not. Yeah. It shouldn't be the base. That's a good yeah. call, man. Yeah, for sure. And um, just getting those reps in, man, is super important. Right. And, right. and then, like, and for folks who are hopefully listening to this, is like, me and Glenn were talking about our mistakes to hopefully like help people get out there and do it like you know and, and maybe not you know go hike their day away when they could right. be glassing don't, you know? don't be like me and spend the first three years of hunting just stomping around the woods not knowing what you're doing you know yeah yeah exactly man. there's a method there's a reason why people are good hunters yeah yeah, yeah totally there's a reason why people are good fishermen yeah yeah yep. Exactly, man. And it's, it's not, you know, and I think sometimes there's like that stigma of like either, you know, somebody with land or like mm-hmm. you grew up doing it or putting more hours in, which more hours definitely does help. But like everyone's got to start somewhere, you know, so it's yep. like get out there, uh, glass, you know, don't don't just go hike your head off, you know, unless right. you have a, a good endpoint that you know right. where the animals are, you know. Yeah. 
Uh, and that actually ties into what I want to talk to you about too is uh, me and Mr. Straws here, Mr. Glenn Straws, are on a, uh, what are we calling this, the Smith list trip. Cause yeah. <laughs> I drew a permit for the Smith, uh, you know, Montana, River in Montana, you know, very, very uh, popular um, river to fish, I guess, like a sought after, I guess, tag. And it's, it's pretty difficult to get. Luckily, I got on my first draw. Unluckily, it dried up this year. And the other day, I think it was at 112 CFS, which is a little low for floating. Yeah, we were you were sending me an article about like 150 was low. Yeah, we were like 100. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, it was a no go. So we took we called this the Smith Less trip because <laughs> we're not on the Smith, but we're on the Missouri. Right. So you yeah, know, the the mighty Mo and uh, and and the reason why we're talking about kind of like starting out is because Glenn's got quite a bit more experience than most of the guys on the trip, but most of the guys are like you know from beginner to Glenn and my brother and a few other folks who are like got a few. I mean, how long have you been fishing, I guess? Well, I, I started when I was a kid. I grew up in Western Washington, and my dad took me out, and I think I caught my first fish at like four years old. Dang, that's um, awesome. On Browns Creek. On a fly um, rod? No, on oh, a spin a rod. Oh, nice. And my dad tells me a story. He, he goes to gut it, and he looks over at me, and he's kind of like, well, I hope he, you know, I, I hope this doesn't ruin it for him. Yeah, like, right, like I'm about to like rip open this like, animal. Got like, the knife in the fish. Right. And he said, no, I was just there. I was, like, right there in it. That's and, cool, man. And then, I, you know, I spin fish forever. Um, everything, you know, did some ocean fishing, but mostly up in the Olympics and the, the rivers and streams. Oh, man. And, the country there, man. Yeah, just nothing too crazy, just just fish. You know, every summer we'd go fishing once a month maybe. Yeah. And then as I got older and got, was able to drive and I could start taking myself up, I fish a lot more. Yeah. Um, obviously not in school, but, and then, you know, I kind of took a break from fishing when I, uh, was in the army and after the army, I decided I was going to fly fish. Oh yeah. And you know, just had you fly fish before that? N never touched fly rod. Really? Dang. And my mom got a job at Sage. She worked in the factory oh, yeah. at Sage, uh, making fly rods. And it, it was like, you can buy one fly rod a year for yourself, for a family. Oh, If yeah. you work for Sage. Yeah. And it was like 50% off deal. That's awesome. And so I just, you know, their, I think it's their launch series, which is their beginner fly rod, you yeah. know, entry level fly rod. And then I bought that, taught myself how to tie flies. And then I, I got out. Dude, that's huge. And then just threw everything I owned into a little Ford Ranger and yeah. a one-way trip out east Head to Montana, east. yeah. And throughout college, um, just fished, like, what do we got going on? We got a fish in the background. Oh, yeah. Jerry's uh, killing it. Jerry's man. killing it. A fish a day on this trip so far for Jerry Gaylor. Uh, that looks like a nice, can you tell it's a rainbow? It's a little silver on the bottom. A little silver on the bottom. Uh, oh, I can't tell from yeah. So my brother-in-law, who's you know, original uh, part of the original fifteen who were going on the Smith trip, is out there and uh, he's doing pretty well for himself on this fishing trip. Guy, he's doing better than I am. Yeah, I haven't caught a fish yet. I'm skunked. Yeah. Awesome. I wish uh, I'll put a I'll put a post on my social media, Instagram and and uh, YouTube, so that folks can kind of see what we're looking at too. And and we got a bunch of photos. We're gonna. So actually, that's a good point, or it's a good part to bring up now. Mm -hmm. It kind of worked out. Um, could have been smoother if I made it smoother, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna do a little amateur fly fishing uh, film out of this whole series, and that's kind of what we're getting to when we're talking about just like getting mm -hmm. out and learning. Like you know, Glenn's talking about his experience, which is quite a bit more than the rest of us. 
but a lot of us are just starting off like this is jerry's like uh, like on a river i think his third day ever yeah. and he's caught a fish every day yeah and that's no, not that's not normal yeah and i like back to my beginnings of fly fishing i had lefty's yeah. cray uh, lefty cray's guide to casting lefty cray's guide to gas yeah. casting yeah and i i put that book out and i was reading he has pictures you know and all this stuff yeah yeah i i tied a piece of yarn to my end of my leader I'd go out to the yard. Oh yeah. And I'd lay that book down and I would just like cast a bunch and of course, you know, end up with ten wind knots in your oh, leader yeah. and oh dude. Pick it up. Okay. All right. That's how you do it. And yeah. That's just how I, I taught myself how to cast and um Huge, going through man. college I I had the GI Bill and I, you know, had enough to where I didn't have to work in the summers. Yeah. And so I I would do ninety 90 days on the river. Jeez, just, man. Just waiting. You yeah. know, walking myself, taking myself out. That's big, um, man. In Bozeman, there's uh, Montana Trout Fitters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, those guys are great. So if you're ever through Bo- Bozeman, I'm going to shout out to those guys. Yeah, shout out. Um, and, you know, we tie flies all winter. Just improved the craft, got better and better. Talk to those guys, talk about techniques and what to do. Yeah. And that's just kind of immerse myself in that a little bit huge man and you know i'm i was watching a youtube video and it was just awesome this guy was like how to fly fish for 90 dollars oh really and it was like go to walmart buy a fly rod buy some flies and just go just do it just get out there on the river yeah that's like dude i don't know what the percentage is but that's like a high percentage of anything Mm -hmm. right just go do it just get the stuff you need like walmart bare bones Mm -hmm. and just go throw it around man you know and yeah and once man like you know, it's been said a lot on this trip. The tug is the drug, but once you get that first fish on there, you're on a fly rod, man. Especially like it's just, just the rod is designed to be a big spring. Yeah, you know, and that's how you cast. It's a spring. You're springing the line out there. Well, it works the same when you're trying to bring a fish in. Yeah, it's just a big spring. And yep. it's, yeah, keeping that tension. And mm-hmm. I mean, I I caught a uh, on my newer fly rod. I caught a just not a very big brown. I mean, I don't know, 14 inches maybe. Like. Nothing, nothing crazy, you know. Maybe I'm off on that. Fourteen inches, I don't know. You weren't there, but <laughs> but uh, you know, browns are kind of known to fight a little bit more than right. rainbows. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, this guy was in the Bitterroot River, and he, I mean, he had a lot of fight on him. And you know, I'm working him and letting him take some drag, and you know, like keeping the tension on because, like, you know, it's fly rod. You know, at least the ones we're using barbless hooks. So mm-hmm. if you tension comes off, they'll spit you, and your right. fish is gone. So keeping that tension. Man, my forearm was pumped. I mean, I've caught a tuna before, and it was yeah. like it felt similar. You know, a giant yeah. tuna versus this little guy. But like that, like you said, they're designed to have that spring going, and, and it feels like a way bigger fish. You know, yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, not. I mean, I still pick up a spin rod, and I still fish a spin rod, lures, and all that. Um, you know, I I, I like a MIPS uh, silver spinner or a copper spinner, yeah. number two or number one. Um, but that's my backup. That's not my first choice. Yeah, you know, that's and that's where I'm starting to get to. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, you know, you can do it. I started out in tennis shoes, so it was my wading shoes, and yeah. you know, shorts and and a t-shirt. Okay, you gotta describe the shorts a little bit more. Though. You told me earlier, <laughs> Wrangler cutoffs, man. Wrangler cutoffs, old fashioned. You know, all the all the guys floating by me, you know, in their fancy gear. You know, what's that kid doing? Want, yeah. That kid's catching fish. Exactly, know? man. So it's not the gear. Yep, and I, I did have a cheater, you know. I got the sage fly rod. Yeah, true. But that was like uh, just because my mom worked there. But other yeah. than that, you know, and if you're not putting the effort in, it's not right. going to catch fish for you, right? You know, and and like we talked about earlier too, it's you know, and 
you know, it, it'll happen eventually if you get into something, you're going to end up having all the other great gear. But, like, starting off, you know, you get a little intimidated because you, like, mm-hmm. see, like, this awesome drift boat go by, like, some of those really nice right. wood ones. Like, jeez, right. and these, like, guys that get all the stuff, you know, and you, like, all Sims or Orvis or whatever it is, right. which is great gear, but you're just, like, mm. you know, like, because I was the same way, man. I was in some old tennis shoes, and, and when it was too cold, I had these really old frog tog, uh, you know, like, <laughs> uh, waders, and, like, too hot for the summer and too cold for the winter, like, you know. I just said neoprene waders that I found at the a second uh, yard sale now yeah. those were my waiters yeah so you know, i'd be sweating bullets yeah i'd like go taking my waiters off and i'd wait in i'd just be shivering freezing <laughs> yeah yeah for anyone God, who doesn't I'd know put the neoprenes back on and, yeah it's yeah. like a, not a good balance with neoprenes right. mm-hmm. and for anyone who doesn't know the missouri is pretty cold like you could get in it's refreshing but after you right. know about 10 15 yeah. like, you're starting to feel it mm-hmm. yeah and then um we're gonna try to get out to Holter on this trip, so that'll be good. Like, yeah, I've never been on Holter Lake. Oh, really? so that'll be yeah. fun. That'll be yeah. awesome. So, kind of getting back to like you were talking, like spin fishing, you mm-hmm. know. So, like, it has its place for sure. Like, yeah, you probably do some fly fishing, do some damage on Holter, but like, it's. Oh, I know there's guys up there that fly fish it. Oh, really? And they're, you know, they're throwing big streamers probably. Yeah. They're waiting for the rise. I just never been a good fly fishing on a lake kind of guy. Like, you know, to me, the river is is where it's at for me, and that's my niche, but you can fly fish anything yeah which is so cool yeah. man like and i didn't really know that for when i first got into it and i'm still like learning so much and mm-hmm. um being the being the wildland world you know i mean you know the schedule is like you're pretty much gone all through mostly real good fishing season right. you know and like by the time things are over you know the fall is pretty good fishing too but you're kind of tired and you don't really right. go you know well yeah when you're humping it all all summer yeah yeah exactly kind of like go you know chill out for a while and, but um When's that fly fishing film festival in like 2018 or 19? I can't remember when it was in Missoula at the Wilma. Mm-hmm. And that was super cool because it showed like all the different kinds of fly fishing. Like I, yeah. Yeah, I knew about bone fishing, but I'd never really seen it. And right. seeing that was super cool, man. Yeah, watching the videos, there's guys down in like Gulf of Mexico just throwing, you know, six inch flies. And, Jeez. and, you know, they got these 10 weights, 12 weight rods, and they're just reefing on them. And they're getting them out there, and, and there's just the way that they, you know, they strip them in. It's a bait fish. The big fish come up, and they take it. That's so cool, yeah. man. Yeah, I watched, uh, I think it was a meteor episode, the DOS boat one. Did you mm-hmm. see that one where they went for redfish in the Gulf, I think? I didn't see it. It was super cool, and I wish I could remember, like, Van Zant or something was the, the guest on that one. It was it was Steve Ranella and, and Van Zant, mm-hmm. I think. And, yeah, like, I didn't know, like, redfish was that awesome. And it, I mean, they made it look amazing. And right. Just kind of a cool and just like you know, anything you know has this like kind of cool like uh, luster, I guess, or you know, like getting ready for hunting season or having right. hunting camp, and like right. just seeing like the saltwater fishing, and they got the platform boat, right. you know, and the kind of spot fish and everything, you know, like that's super cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I mean, we did Mexico. Yeah, how much and I. about that? Yeah, so you know, we went down, and uh, the gentleman's name was Colin. And I can't remember his company. I'd have to yeah. give him a shout out. But yeah. um, he took us out and caught my first marlin, and that was awesome. But, it's just, you know, it's a different style. It's like yeah. we're out there, and you're not watching the water because it's a desert. You know, it's the ocean, big ocean, right? Yeah, we're yeah. 20 miles out. And so you're watching the birds. When the birds start going, oh. if they're hitting the water, that's where the bait fish are. Oh, gotcha. And if that's where the bait fish are, that's where the big fish are. Oh, makes and so sense. We'd, you know, he'd hammer down, we'd run out there and throw the rigging in and, and just troll through it, you know, half a dozen times. When when the bait breaks up, you you take out and watch for the next one. Oh, yeah, and yeah. When, 
you know, the birds start circling and hitting the water. Oh, they're over there. Hammer it. Let's go. You know, yeah. I'm dropping the hammer. Days of Thunder style, yeah. you know, like yeah, getting absolutely. out there. And and it just happened to be my turn on because on, you, you can only set so many poles out. Yeah. You know, trolling off the back of the boat. And yeah, I just nailed, nailed the marlin. I was, I was reeling that thing up. And one of our brother, buddies, Casey, he's like, he's dehydrated. He's dehydrated. And I'm like, on this thing. Forever. Talking about you? Being yeah, yeah. Like, I'm reeling this thing up. Yeah. There's video of this. Oh, really? And he's like, he's, he's like pouring beer in my mouth. He's dehydrated <laughs> as I'm reeling this fish up. Dude. And yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. Dude, that is awesome, man. Like, yeah, just get in there. We get the thing up, we get in the boat, and this, I, it must have been five, six feet long, easy. Bro, you know, it's the whole width of the back of the boat. Yeah. And we we're on the Ponga, um, 27 footer. And yeah, just <laughs> pictures. And I got the, the sail is sitting right up here, and I like holding it up with my teeth. And, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that that's was great. cool, man. And then, you know, we slung a line through it and dumped it back in the water and, you know, Bronson gave me, you know, get your flippers on and get your mask this on. This is the craziest part, yeah. man. And, you know, I've been in the ocean, but I've never been, you know, down 20 miles out. And just took that knife, put the flippers on. Wait, wait, was the depth again? Did you ever see it? Like- oh, it was like 800 feet of water or something yeah. stupid. 1,000 yeah. feet of water. Yeah, way out there. Yeah, but, you know, just back flopped out the back of the boat and yeah. started gutting the thing in the water. And, yeah, it pretty- was pretty pretty good when bronze was telling me that story i'm like Wait, what because what like it's two gallons of blood or so mm-hmm. in in a marlin and like there's just no way to like you're saying it's just right you just don't get the thing in the boat yeah you're just, just makes a mess and you know and that blood dries you get you're scrubbing out there for hours trying to blood off the boat and yeah and just managing a fish yeah. that size in a boat you know mm-hmm. and so you throw it in the water and it floats you know oh, nice. so it's the buoyancy's there and first time i ever done any real snorkeling or anything like that had yeah. to you know, you got to get over, you put your face in the water and your natural reflex is to hold your breath. Yeah. And so I had to get over that reflex a little bit. I had to learn that I could actually breathe while snorkeling, you know. Yeah. And yeah, no, we, I just ripped the thing up and started pulling guts and got her up, got the gill, gills out. And, you know, Bronson helped me a little bit because by that time you can't see anything. The water's just All blood. covered in blood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we got, got finished her off and got her back in the boat and i was like even like i was taking time you know it was taking up time I'm yeah like, what the fuck let's let's get back in it let's yeah, like totally. let's go fishing let's catch the guys in the one. boat were like one marlin dude that's that's like a prize day oh that's you know? huge day man and for them it's like elk hunting you know oh you, yeah you shoot an elk and you're like well you're not gonna run out there and shoot more no like, it's you're let's back up and go you yeah know? day's like, over yeah yeah and i was kind of like I didn't have that in my head because fishing, you know, you catch fish, well, go catch more fish. You know, yeah. it's hunting, you know, you shoot an animal and you're kind of done for the day. Um, so I didn't necessarily, I was like, well, what the hell are we dicking around here for? Yeah, like, exactly. Like Let's, we, let's more, keep going. Yeah, more you know? fish to catch, man. But no, it, it, it makes sense. You know, it's a huge, majestic animal. You don't want to overpressure them. Yeah. You know, you take one and you're good. Oh, I didn't you know. think about the pressure part. I was thinking right. more like saving the meat part, too. Right. No, it, I mean, we had this huge bag, and, you know, I don't speak Spanish, but my terrible, <laughs> my phrase, you know, yeah. uh, uh, what was it? 
I can't even remember now. Dulce Hilo Sport Report, which is 12 bags of ice. Oh, that, was her, that was my homework. I had to learn how to ask yeah. in Spanish for 12 bags of ice when you stop by the store for the morning before you go out. Oh, gotcha. Because we just packed this huge bag full of ice. And then you get that thing in the bag and stuff, you know, pack it full of ice. And it was some of the best fish I had. I bet, yeah. man. Like, just eating it afterwards? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We were eating it sushi style and carving it up. Because, you know, at the end of the trip, there's four guys. And so we just, each guy gets the equal portion. Oh, it's cool. Not, you're not just fishing your, for yourself. You're fishing for the boat. Dude, that's that's a way better plan yeah. too, because like mm -hmm. then you get variety, you know, like because you, like you catch one big fish, like a marlin mm -hmm. or tuna or something, right. like then you just got tuna or marlin. Well, so that's how you come back. You know, come back tuna, dorado, marlin, um, needlefish. We we're pulling needlefish. What's that fish? Uh, it's just this big, long. Well, yeah, they we, can be big, yeah. um, but they're, you know, they're real skinny. They're like silver. They got a really sharp snout. Oh, really? And they're just super fast cruisers, just hitting sardines and everything. Yeah, you have to look that up, man. I've never yeah. seen one of those before. I mean, that they're just so wild, man. Just out there, mm -hmm. you know, and gutting one out in the water, man. That's that. Like I've done some wild stuff, man. Like I'd be thinking about that before, like I went in, like yeah, you know, and they're trying to like, oh, there's sharks in that water, and I'm like, well, well I don't care. That's what yeah, that's what Bronson just, said. You didn't even hesitate. You just jumped in. All right, I'm going. Yeah. yeah, but I I don't know, like little things like that don't scare me. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's smart, man. I mean, like, I don't get, I don't worry when I'm surfing, you know. Right. But like, that would have, that would have had me pause for a minute, though. Right. I think, you know, like I, yeah. I probably would have still done it, but I've been like, hmm, maybe gave a quick look around, <laughs> right. look for fins, you know. Yeah, we were out surfing in Westport, Washington, with an old friend of mine, and yeah. I'm not a surfer. Like, I, I was just out there having fun and yeah, riding the board in, and that's pretty much all I do. You know, and he's like an amazing surfer, and come on out, and we just. I was just out there having fun and battling out. And he comes in, and he's, like, waving at me to come in. And like He's like, yeah, there's a shark in the. <laughs> and I'm well, like, oh, shit. okay. How'd they spot him? Uh, just saw the he, he just randomly fell in, you know, and oh. and just, like, was looking around under the wave as the wave is going over him, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, sure enough, there's, there's, there's like, like a big old shark out there. Jeez, and, man. Yeah. But and I was like, uh, well, are we done? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. We'll, right. we'll go back in. Jeez, man. Yeah, me, me and my bros, we went down because my little brother was uh, graduating veterinary school mm -hmm. in southern uh, Pomona. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember the actual university, but there's you know vet school down there. And uh, so before his graduation, we were gonna we went down a few days early so we could surf a bunch. And we found out it was like shark week in the area or something right. like that because we had no idea. Like we had a couple of helicopters kind of buzz low, you know, like combing the coastline and right. we're out there just like, yeah, you know, like even the Red Bull helicopter came <laughs> by and not knowing anything. And then we go to like chronic tacos afterwards and like just talking about it. And like some locals are like, like what in the hell is wrong with you guys? Right. Like, yeah, man, came here to surf. And like, dude, this is like shark. Like this is some <laughs> right. sharky time you know, to be, be fishing. Like they've seen a bunch already <laughs> been surfing. So I was like, oh, well, and we just kept going. Like you said, man, like we didn't see any luckily, but you know, probably dumb, but right. But it was, we had a great time. It's like getting struck by lightning, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. God, I mean, I'm, it's always in the back of my head, but you know, it doesn't keep me from going outside. I guess you know. You can get killed crossing the street. Yeah. Yeah. What a bad way to go, man. <laughs> you know, especially after like the, the life you lived, and that you know, like my life's been pretty adventurous too. You know, like. Well, you know, I check out that way in Seattle and Pokemon. These kids are playing Pokemon, and I'm like. And they're walking on the street, oh, like yeah. following their phones. They're on no situational awareness whatsoever. It's brutal. I think a few, yeah. of, the, a few of those kids got hit, <laughs> unfortunately. Right. Oh, it's brutal, But man. it's 
you know, I don't know, it's life. Yeah. Just, just go for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. That's a good point. Um, how long are you guys down there in Mexico? Mexico? Uh, we're down there for a week. Oh, yeah. nice. Six solid days of fishing. Yeah. You guys going to go back down for that one? Yeah, we'll see. We'll just see how it plays out. Um, yeah. You know, it's a, it was great. Great thing to do. You know, you're, we're sopped in in early January in Montana. Yeah, so go get some sunshine. Right. Yeah. Yeah, me and the wife went down there uh, for my 30th birthday. <laughs> so that was, that was awesome, man. <laughs> and, like, you know, more of the party. like Right. Not really like I mean even in my thirties I was like really slowing down on that but it was more like celebrating the birthday and do the touristy mm-hmm. stuff and but I'd, I'd rather go down there and like do some surfing and do some fishing I mean there's a, there's a big surf co- comp going on because we're down in Cabo so like we you know we're staying on the uh, Sea of Cortez side right but um, on the other side I had no idea because right. I was just like you know hanging out with yeah with we were Miguel. in Todo Santos which is just north of Cabo and there was uh, I forget the name of the bay but the bay was just perfect and just oh, prime yeah. surfing country. Wait, yeah, on the Sea of Cortez side or on the Pacific, uh, Pacific side? Oh, gotcha. Yeah. That's where you guys were hanging. Mm-hmm. Did you guys do any fishing in the Sea of Cortez? Uh, no, because I mean that was a backup plan was to go around. Oh yeah, and, yeah. but did you guys were having such the, the primary luck. plan was working out. So yeah, we didn't bail. That's cool. Yeah, because I guess in my head I was always thinking you guys were like more towards the Sea of Cortez and kind of dipping from the Sea of Cortez into the Pacific. Bronson's been down there and done that a few times. Oh, um, maybe that's where I got but, it twisted. Yeah, no, we were we were out do west basically that's awesome yeah. man god i gotta, I gotta explore it goes to show you know that guy colin he he's putting the homework he's been out there he knows where to go yeah you know so kind of looping back around where we started right and, talking and, about. and you know you get into fly fishing you got you got a guy that knows how to do it you know just tag along yeah just go and and most of us fishermen like i you know if a if, if guy says i want to go fishing with you i just I don't even ask what time. Like, let's get in the truck. Let's go. You know, like, yeah, I, that's the excuse to go fishing. Yeah, you know? yeah, man, yeah. and that kind of ties into something else. You know, that that I want to talk to you about. Like, we were talking about like public lands, but like, mm-hmm. just getting more people interested in it. You know, and and, right. and you know, like other podcasts, like Rogan and stuff. They they hammer on this, like, know where your food comes from. And that, I think it's super important, right. and, and being able to know where it comes from will also be able to harvest that food. Right. You know. Right, and and. You know, it's here in Montana. We're really lucky because we have a lot of public land. Yeah, um, Washington has a lot of public land, but their seasons are so regulated and short. Yeah, um, you know, and, and and here we have such a great season. You know, fishing is year round. Yeah, and you know, hunting is we have you know bow hunting, quick small break, quickly followed by rifle. Yeah, and you can still do it all. Yeah, you, know, you can get out there and do it. And birds, you know, right. like upland bird goes mm-hmm. uh, um, upland it's like September first, uh, clear till like December or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's a long season there, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah, we are really fortunate to have all that, man. Right, and it's, you know, it's a sportsman's paradise, and to keep it that way, we have to have space where people can go do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, you know, defend our public lands, you know, it's, right. it's important. And, and uh, I don't know if I've talked about it in the podcast, but I mean, you were talking about it earlier, like every time there's an election, it's starting to be talked about more and more. And, right. you know, right. it's, it seems to be getting close to shrinking in some areas, right. you know, so uh, not something I want to see, you know, like our kids, you know. You wanna... Right. And yeah, I don't know, like I'll certainly start paying attention more to what my elected officials, their stance on access and public lands yeah same you know like that was not really in my brain when it came to like voting i was thinking 
you know, like, you know, taxes and like basic more financial mm-hmm. stuff. And now it's like, oh man, even my hobbies, right. I got to see, you know, to make sure that's right. And which is also, I mean, most of us live on wild game meat, you know, like, right. and especially in elk, you know, I mean, that's provides a lot of meat for a family, you know, and if that starts getting restricted, that's going to, it's going to be some problems for some locals, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, we, we stopped eating beef when I start when I figured out how to hunt and when I figured yeah. out where to go and what to do. And obviously I've had lots of help from people along the way. Um, we stopped eating beef. We eat elk. Yeah. yeah. Elk and deer. Yeah, yeah, man. I think you just like feel so much better too, mm-hmm. you know, like lean and we know what it's eating, you know? Like right. It, it's crazy. Cause, uh, I can't remember. I was talking to some old boy. He's talking about like grass fed beef. He's like, isn't that what they're supposed to eat? Right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, well, it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's a marketing grass fed beef. Yeah. Well, I, that they're supposed to eat grass. Yeah. Isn't that what they eat? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, man. It's like, man, I wonder what else, you know, I've been eating then if it's not, doesn't mm-hmm. say grass fed on it. Right. And, you know, you go get an elk or deer or an antelope or moose. Yeah. It's funny. You know? Cause you know, every time I take out a package, it's like, oh, this is 2020s elk. Well, 2020, that's the year I almost froze. Yeah. <laughs> oh. We had to gut this thing out and then hike it out to the side by side. Yeah. And then the front tire went flat. <laughs> Luckily, we had an air pump and we pumped it up. We could only make it like a mile and we had to pump it up again. Yeah, dude. That was a good elk. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. That's a, that's a really good point, man. Like, you know, not only are you getting some meat for your family? But also it's memories, you know, like right. every time you go grab like those st- back, you know, back 2021 elk. Oh, that's the one that I had to chase down that halfway across the range. And yeah, dude. You know. Yeah, man. Was, was it, uh, 2021 elk that you guys were like in a blizzard, you and Bronson? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, oh my God. That was <laughs> gnarly. Yeah. You should tell that story. Cause oh, that was okay. awesome. So, um, we, I don't even know where to begin. So we we were out opening like day a right week before opening oh, day. Oh, oh, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. And man. we're just spotting these guys and and figuring out their pattern. Yeah. Okay. So this is the plan for opening day. Gotcha. And we was there's a change because the years prior we went to a different spot. Well, this year we went to this spot, and so we my ha- my house was only really halfway finished. So we're just camping in the house. Um, you and the wife. Me and the oh, wife. Hey. And we wake up, and the wife rolls out from. We had a cot set up. Rolls yeah. out from under the sleeping bag, and it's like blizzard out. Oh, jeez! And, and which is not the most common, you know. Com- commonly, we we're cold, but it's you know it's still kind of. Uh, oh, pause on that one. Oh. Hold on a second. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. So we had a little little Te- technical difficulty. Exactly. And uh, so now we're back on. And what would you call it? The freeze your balls off. <laughs> The freeze your balls off 2021 hunt. Yeah. Um, so about a week before the opening day of rifle, um, I bow hunt, but I'm, I'm terrible at it. So Let me see. My, my jam is rifle. And we doing their homework, you know, out there spotting public ground and out behind our house in Montana. Obviously, you, you don't have that in other places. So that's yeah. – but – that morning we wake up and it's blizzard it's it's negatives out there on october like 21st which happens but it's not common you know like october is a great month like it's we're cooling off we'll get a snowstorm but it doesn't last you know our winter doesn't set in till late december january that's that's winter and it always seems like halloween too right when you get that snow in 
And so my wife, we're half as the house is half finished. And she peeks out from underneath the sleeping bag, looks out the window, and oh yeah, you guys are gonna get something today. Yeah, like, she she knew it, huh? She he jinxed us so hard. Oh yeah, <laughs> like in a good way and a bad way. <laughs> yeah, she knew like that mm-hmm. shitty weather. You know, she's she's like, right. you guys gonna be packing out. Yeah, you know. Yep. And so we we go up obviously early, early, you know, four or so, and we're yeah. driving up the road. Bronson's on the road, and. His wife, who's super pregnant at the time, oh geez, and she was gonna go out, but she was like, yeah. "No, I'm I'm gonna stick with the truck. Call me if you need anything, kind of thing." Yeah, and God, she's and tough. I know. <laughs> Don't even get me started. But yeah, yeah. We uh, so we go out. We're hiking up. Wind, snow in our faces. Hats pulled down. Every ounce. Normally, you hike up light. Yeah, you know, t-shirts and pants, and that's it. Cause you get up there and you're sweaty cause you're hiking hard. Yeah. And so this time we're not hiking light, which no. is a big change from what we normally do. Yeah. You know, full snowball gear and we're up there, we get up there and it's visibility's down to like 200 yards. Normally you can see for five miles, but yeah. we're down to like 200 yards total white out. Yeah. Checking our watches. Okay. Well it's shooting light, but it's so blizzard heat, there's no light. Oh, it's so dark, eh? Right. And so we're hanging out, and finally it gets to the point where we can start to see something. You know, visibility is still two, 300 yards. And we get up there, or we're up there already, just in our spot, and, and we're waiting for the elk to come out, waiting for the elk to come up. Yeah. And um, Bronson's like, I, mean, I don't know about you, man, but I think it's probably time to go because we're frozen. Yeah. I'm like, okay, five more minutes. Five more minutes. Okay. And about a minute and a half goes by, and I'm like, okay, it's time to go. <laughs> yeah, but longest minute and a half right. ever, yeah. yeah. And so we start walking out, and sure enough, like, there's a herd of elk. And, you know, this time of year, the the, the bulls are still kind of with the cows, but they're, like, starting to break off on the back. Their bachelor group in the back of the herd yeah and ruts over right right ruts over yeah. you know they still can rut i've heard and i've heard bugling on rifle in rifle season yeah me too early rifle season um but they're not like it's kind of sort of play bugling it's not like full-on september you know yeah and so we're up there and 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 we see these cows we see these cows and we okay well we gotta get going if we're gonna cut these guys off as they're heading up to the timber yeah yeah and we start hoofing it hard you know a foot of snow blizzard in their eyes and it's dark you can't put on sunglasses so you're just like holding your eyes open oh, and going for it you brutal. know yeah, it's yeah. Blasted. and we finally get this spot and we got a good 300 yard shot and i he you know i pick my bull bronson picks his bull and we unload on these guys and drop bulls. They're down. Both two bulls. Yeah, two bulls. Oh, awesome. And you know, I want to say it was like a one shot kill, but you yeah. know, we, we don't talk about that. Yeah, 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 exactly. But yeah, uh, don't let the truth get in the way of good story. That's what I was gonna right. say. Yeah, but good clean kills. They're down. Yeah. They're dead. You yeah. know, and got the job done. Got the job done. And so this is gonna tie into a story later on. Oh yeah, perfect. I. I had a double feed on my Remington. Oh. And I love my Remington, but that's the one thing you can't have. And I yeah. shucked out one round 
and I took my left hand and I'm feeding the the second one that got in there because yeah. I short stroked it. Oh, like I didn't do a full excitement. eject. Yeah. yeah, and so one round, a good round, ends up in the snow. Oh shit! And I'm like, okay, well, my fingers, I can't feel my fingers. I'm not going to get a bullet. You yeah. Know? And finally, you know, I get the gun cleared and act back in action and, you know, the bull's down. I was just working on my follow-up, you know, but he already went yeah. down, so it's good. Yeah. And so we get down there and we have to hop a fence. It's it's grazing country, BLM grazing country. So there's fences, you know, so we hop this fence and get yeah. down there. And there's this bull down on the ground and we were looking around and Bronson's like, I swear, I know I got my bull down. Yeah. We start looking around, and there's another bull. And oh. normally we're like super, like high five, yeah. you know, woo. Yeah, everyone's and, stoked. Right, they're like 50 yards apart. Yeah, and the, to get a double down on opening day is is amazing. Yeah, almost and, almost unheard of. Right, man. it's really and good. so, and we've done it twice now, but yeah, um, not to brag, but it's yeah. just really cool when you have a good hunting partner that you can do that with and get two bulls down. Yeah, you were talking about and, earlier. You guys vibe yeah. so well too, mm-hmm. man. And we just, instead of, like, jumping for joy, we just, like, look at each other and our shoulders just, like, uh-huh. it's, like, negative 10 and 20-mile-an-hour yeah. winds. And, yeah, we're just, like, what did we just get ourselves into? Yeah, man. And he goes, you know, you work on your bowl, I'll work on mine. And and, fi- and I get up, and I'm I'm doing okay, and I'm doing good. And I'm looking down, Bronson's doing good. Yeah. But it's just, like, finally I'm, like, we're done. I'm done. I can't do this by myself. It's so cold and so gnarly out. Yeah. I go down like, dude, we got team tag team this, you know, yeah. to get this done. And I think, I and, mean, if you don't mind me, like yeah, talk about your, like your, just your history mm-hmm. to show, like, you're not just like, I mean, you're a tough country guy, but like you have mm-hmm. a history of toughness, like with the military, you, yeah. you're a ranger, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is yeah. coming from a guy who's been through some stuff yeah. to be like, I'm just trying to train to paint the picture for the audience of like how brutal it is out there. Yeah. I mean, you've been through some brutal stuff and for you to be yeah. like, this is all I got, man. I got, I don't have much left in the tank. Well, you know? it, it wasn't about being in the tank. It was just, I, I just started game plan in my head. Like what's the most efficient? Oh, gotcha. Like, you. what's the best way to do this? Yeah. Yeah. But I was done. Yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> now I like, go down there. Okay. I got you, Bronson. Yeah. You know, like I have to help you to cut your, your field dressing time in half. It takes two guys. Yeah. So I'm gonna field. We're gonna field dress. Get your quarters out. Get them ready to go. And then we tag team my bull. Got the quarters ready to go. And on this, there's a road that kind of comes up. So to go down where the truck is is like two miles. Oh, gotcha. To go over cross hill to where we can get the truck to is like three quarters of a mile. Oh, gotcha. So the the best pack was to go there. Yeah. And so we start packing, and we make a phone call, and uh, Bronson's dad, Carl, comes up with the side-by-side and parks it. And, you know, we have to make a couple trips, and it's just brutal. It's just tough. And then we get everything in the side-by-side. So we got three dudes, three rifles, two bulls. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a full load. Right. In this side-by-side. And to get out of it, it's kind of a, a gnarly spot. He starts going up. Well, first of all, I got to back up. Yeah, we, back get, up. we get everything into the truck or the side by side. And I like pull out my water bottle and I like go to take a drink of it. And mm-hmm. Bronson tells me, like, the look on my face is like, 
<laughs> utter dejection. Yeah. Like, morale is broke at this point. Yeah. You know, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Well, that was that day. Like, yeah. So we get to there, water is frozen, everything's frozen. Yeah, so nothing. Like, you right. tip it up, nothing's going like, to <laughs> There's a little ice nipple, like, poking out the top. Really? Of the, yeah. Brutal. <laughs> we get in the thing, and then there's so much weight in this thing. The, the road kind of, like, side hills a little bit. It's not, like, perfectly flat. And, of course, we spin out. And oh, end up. So Bronson and I are out pushing. Carl's <laughs> gunning it. And snow's flinging off the tires in my face again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we're just pushing, 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 and we get it out of there, right? Yeah, yeah all right. So we get good. back on the road, and the next thing you know, Carl's like, man, this thing's pulling hard. Oh, I know. We get is. out, that front front right tire is done. Yeah. And so we, at this point, I'm just like, I'm going to hold the rifles. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, I need to take a break. Right. And Bronson, you know, they get the air pump out, and they pump it up, the little electric thing that plugs into the cigarette lighter. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... Get the thing pumped up. Drive in. Carl's like, okay, it's pulling again. We get out. Okay, it's flat again. Just keep pumping Start, Keep going. Yeah. And finally, we get down, and we have to take a right, and we're down, and we get to my truck. I fire the thing up. It started. It was so cold, I was worried please about God, it. Started. Please, God. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, little Nissan Frontier gas engine, you know. Like, if it was diesel. Yeah. Not, I, probably I, not a chance. Yeah, not a chance. It gelled but, up and right. froze. Mm-hmm. And so... All right, I'm going to come in behind you. You know, and they finally got it warmed up enough. We stop a few times, do a couple hot laps through the truck to warm up. Yeah. And, you know, we get her going, and then we finally get back to the house. Uh, Bronson's dad, Carl, lives like half a mile away or so, you know. Yeah. We get the animals to his place, get them out, get them hanging, and we get in the truck and just, I mean, I had that heat on hot, and if it were now, I'd i'd quit because it would be so hot but then it was so amazing yeah we get back wife's got the wood stove cranking oh, and we just stand in front of that wood stove and don't talk for like half an hour <laughs> just, just thawing out just <laughs> right. thinking about your life but that was a great hunt that yeah. is a, dude that's that amazing a- and they make for the best stories right yeah you know i got a, I, had a, I had a professor in high school or in college man i i, I want to go try time with him because he's got amazing stories mm-hmm. and he like he'd always like laugh about getting stuck like one time he's out in the like somewhere like that was in the Bering Sea but Mm -hmm. on land you know like they were doing some kind of like trip and there was a bunch of people and there's he shows me the video and he's just laughing the whole time there's like this hurricane force wind that's going on and tents flying everywhere and he's just laughing he's like one of the best trips of my life I'm like (laughs) one of the best trips of your life man that looks brutal but you know like you can't do those trips by yourself yeah and you you don't that was just me by myself i I could have popped some quarters off, and I would have been walking back, you know. Yeah. Or you got to go get them the next day, or, you yep. know, the chances of coyotes and everything getting in there, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to harvest the animal. Yeah, totally, yeah. man. And, like, if you guys got two elk on that day, and it was a beautiful right. day, still awesome day, but not, yeah. like, the same. Like, yeah. you'll never forget that, man, you know. But, you know, we had good gear, and that we've been working on gear for years. Yeah. It's, you know, we started in blue jeans and school backpacks and yeah you know throughout the years we've upgraded to good wool to good you know um i, I like cryptech you know i roll with cryptech yeah, you, know, good stuff, huh? you know forest service gear that he gets and yeah you know it's just like 
good rifles, good optics. It's a, it's been a progression. It just things happen right away. Yeah, and then and then like the stuff you add to your kit is like what stuff that mm-hmm. just like adds to your efficiency in hunting. Right. You know, like optics is huge, man. Right. You know, like getting some good uh, binos, binoculars. You know, don't know who's listening to this, so I'm trying to make sure I like don't skip anything. So like a spotting scope, huge. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's you know like people. Were, God, someone told me something about like using not using your legs to hunt use the glass you know right. kind of deal so so one thing that you know listen to steve Rinelli, like he kind of downgraded from a good spot and scope to good binos on a tripod oh really and we took that lesson from him and now my spot and scope is my secondary oh my binos are my primary oh really using a good tripod with binos is you know that it, it doesn't doesn't necessarily 100 percent replace the spot and scope yeah, but so you get it's, super powerful spot and right. Scope. But it's like okay, you you get the animals in, and if you're in a truck or if you're close to a truck or your spotting point, you get them in the binos and then you switch to the spotting scope to confirm and get you know it's bull or not bull. But yeah. the binos, you know, this is an evolution in spotting. Yeah, you, know, you get out and you spot, and if I was day one hunter, like spotting, I wouldn't understand it. Yeah. It takes practice. You know, you, you get in there and you find the animals and that's like a, a muscle memory kind of thing, but it's a brain eye memory. Like, oh, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, surprisingly enough, like my wife is way better at spotting animals. Like, I don't know if that's surprising. It's just, she doesn't hunt, so it's like right. surprising kind of, you know, but right. like she's an animal lover, man. Like she loves seeing them, you know, so like she's just got a great eye for it. And like, she doesn't want to go hunting, but I'm like... I kind of need you, babe. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I don't, because like you said, it's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's like a weird muscle, I don't even, like, um, recognition, right? It's like, like a vision imprint. Yeah. Like your eyeballs know. Yeah, to know, yeah. and it's, it's super subtle, because, you know, like, right. they have natural camouflage, so, like, seeing right. that, like, a uh, elk is a little bit darker than its surroundings, mm-hmm. a little lighter, you know, depending on the year, and you're like, oh, that doesn't look, something looks right. different there, you know, and then, like, staying on it, and then seeing the elk, like, move its head, and you're like, right. just like that little movement, you're like, Oh, there you are. You know, like you're like something's not right about that background, you know, and which is which is also and there's cool color itself. spotting too. Like one year I had a great year on color, like you can just notice that color. Like and then there's shape spotting. Yeah, it's hard to describe. Just but like the sometimes shape. you see the shape, sometimes you see the color, sometimes you see the movement. Yeah, you know, I think it's just stuck. I think I'm like a one dimensional dude mm-hmm. with that. I think it's more of a movement for me. Like, I can kind of pick out, I guess, a little bit of color, but, yeah, not, like you said, like, some people, man, they, they can kind of do all three and, like, right. quick, too, you know, like, have that recognition super fast, right. and I'm like, but th- those people are also kind of spotting you around, and, like, most of my friends who are really good at that are kind of tracking a herd all the time, and, because they're ho- horn hunters, too, mm-hmm. and that just keeps your game sharp for when right. you, you hunt season comes around, you right. know, like. Yeah, I never got too much in the horn hunting. Yeah, I mean, I always wanted to, like, it's always, like, going to be an excuse to take the horses out, you know, like, right. go comb some country, and, yeah, usually I just too busy trying to get in shape i guess or yeah i have a friend who's really good at it yeah, yeah. but he's on horseback you're a little bit above the ground that helps so much helps, you you know, can see down more yeah and yeah he's really good at it i can see yeah. that because i mean i don't know about you but like i've definitely seen a few sticks that i was like like especially we're on a fire and i'm like i look over and like i see like a, a stick that looks like a horn like mm-hmm. Whoa, you know spread right. over there stupid stick <laughs> you know but you know it's kind of a big competition you know for most montanans you know like everyone right. wants to find that nice shed so yeah 
but like that's you know another thing to keep your recognition up and keep you in the hills and you know keep you out right you know? that's that's kind of you know as i get older i struggle with that a little bit more i need more excuses to get up in the mountains on the off seasons yeah man yeah yeah, and that kind of ties into this trip, too, like excuses, you know, like I was kind right. of talking about that and using excuses for a good way. Like I said, like, you know, excuse to get in the mountains for a home run. And then like this trip was an excuse to get like family and friends together. Right. Because as you get older, you know, I don't know if folks listen to this have that issue, but I know like there's like weddings, family unions, there's just stuff that are going on. Right. Older. Then I hit my 30s and like it's and I think what it is is like you make that transition from your folks planning right. and like, you know, the hub being your folks to like you being the hub of your family. Right. And that kind of is seems like the transition I'm having in my 30s is like yeah. waiting for my folks to have some event and they don't have events anymore. They're, you know, retired. Well, you know, I, I'm in my, I'm 40 yeah. and everyone, all of my good friends were done being married by the time I was like 35. So it's, yeah. you know, that, that family reunion is kind of done. Yeah. Sort of, but you know. Totally, man. Yeah, that get together, right? Because right. yeah, everyone's already married. And I'm kind of on the tail end of that too. Like everyone's pretty much married, I know. So like, right. Like there's yeah, there's not many reasons to get together anymore. And right. then I, you know, that realization with this trip was like, you know, to do things, you got to make things. I guess what I'm trying right. to say, like to what's that saying? It's like, uh, like almost like you know, you can't just be about it. Or oh, no, I'm messing this up. Hopefully, it'll come <laughs> to me later. But like, if it, you know. You're waiting for something to happen instead of making it happen. I guess what I'm trying to say, like by doing this trip, it, it made yeah, us all stop get waiting, start yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah, stop waiting, start doing. That's way better. There's, there's another saying. I'm, I'm like, I took my tongue. I'll never get it. It'll come to me right <laughs> as soon as I hit stop on right. this sucker. It's gonna right. come to my brain. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean that's so important, man. Like you, you know, if you keep talking about something and not doing, you know, being about it, you know, mm. like it, you'll never will. You never will, you know. And that's huge as me even fly fishing everything. You know, like I lived in the. I've lived in the Bitter, Bitter, Bitterroot Valley since 2011, pretty much, and just now got a boat, you know, just now started, like, fly fishing the Bitterroot, you know? I know it's a bit of a gnarly river, so, I mean, a lot of people yeah. on that one, but... It's doable. Yeah, yeah, totally. I floated a few times, because uh, I finished college in Missoula. Oh, yeah, man. And you it was been. good. Yeah, we were down at Florence, um, and, you know, we floated a few times. Yeah. One time... My girlfriend, wife now, but yeah. we were, yeah, let's grab the tubes, drive up a bit. So we drove up a bit, and then, oh, yeah, it's a great spot to put in. So we started going down this bank, and next thing we know, we get caught in some marshland, and it was oh. just like a na- nasty slog to get the inner tubes out oh, to the yeah. main river, but Jeez, it was good. Yeah. But that river's great. You can float it. It's good. It's just a little more technical for yeah, floating. Technical. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. And, you know, just the few weeks ago um a strainer caught a, a drift boat luckily everyone's fine but mm-hmm. you know that drift boat was still there when when me and my yeah. buddy steerman went by just a couple yep. weeks ago you know yeah. so it's uh you definitely gotta keep your head on a swivel it's not like so much of a a drinking right you know fish it's not the mass yeah it's the lower mass yeah, yeah yeah beautiful spot man yeah a lot of time on that river not fishing <laughs> <laughs> just just being there and floating right yeah but those you know those those uh like party floats man they're they're fun right. too man like that was an excuse to get together back in the day it was like hot day let's meet up in on the madison right. you know by norris there and like that doesn't happen as much because people have families so like having this and having annual trips man i didn't get it when i was younger and now right I totally get it because otherwise montana is so damn big i mean we're almost three hours from each other you right. know so like unless it's hunting season i'm usually not in the area you know right. so doing this will hopefully get us get us together and i want to bring back you were saying something about like you're telling a story to tell another story did you get to that story or were you gonna <laughs> so fast forward a full year yes, after sir. the freeze your nuts tour yes um 
we we were back up on the same spot on on it wasn't opening day it was the day after oh gotcha and so we're up there spotting and we don't see the herd like you know we did our homework again yeah you know putting them watching them getting their patterns yep and opening day nothing no big deal you know we're we're like we're in it for 30 days we're not just in it for a day yeah absolutely. um so you know go go back spot in the evening go back and then the next day we're up and we same spot because we didn't really have any good leads oh yeah um and so we just kind of thought it was a fluke and you know this is a public ground so there's lots of other hunters and we you know we spent a lot of time out there just there wasn't a lot of shooting going on oh yeah so we didn't think because sometimes in this area when the hunters get into the herd and they shoot as they should they break up the herd yeah. the herd kind of splits or they go somewhere different yeah. um, that's just part of the game um but we're up there and we're thinking well this herd's got to be still kind of together and it's like a 30 head herd yeah um probably 25 cows five shooter bulls and it's bull only um on your a tag yeah, Bra- and so time bull, brow time bull. Yeah, yep. bull yeah. And so we're up there again, same spot, and we see this lone bull. So it was Bronson who has eagle eyes when it comes to elk. Yeah. Like they're out there, they're clear down. Yeah, you know they're like five, six miles out. Almost like you can smell them. Right, like his sixth sense kicks in. He's like, and I'm I, I'm a decent spotter, but that guy yeah. can spot. Yeah, and so this satellite bull, he's legal, but he you can totally tell he got kicked out. Because oh. the main bull, you know, was tired of him, and he got yep. kicked out. So he's like, at this point, they're just specks in the glass, you know. Yeah. So the, the specks are there. They're elk. We know they're elk. And one lone speck gets kicked out. And we're like, man, that must be a satellite guy that just, you know, the lead dude just didn't like him. Yeah. So gave him the what for and yeah. kicked him out of the group. <laughs> yeah. And so he comes off on his own, and he's coming to us. And there's a bunch of hunters down below us. And we're like, man, he's going to run the gauntlet. And so we start cheering him on. Like, yeah. you can do it, buddy. You can <laughs> like, yeah. Make it. You can do it. Yeah, like, you see all the orange out right. there waiting all, for him. All the orange, the yeah. trucks, everyone's yeah, out there. Dude. And like, come on, man. And he makes it through. And we're like, like all of a sudden we went from cheering him on to like, let's go chase him down. Yeah, well, here like, he comes. Yeah. yeah. And so we get out there. And somehow it was the same exact spot as the year before. Oh, that no. we set up our shooting spot to ambush this guy as he's coming up. Yeah, yeah. And look, well, it's I, good though because you know yeah, it's country. And, and I'm just like on a knee, and we're kind of waiting for him to make his move to come up so we can try and ambush him. Yeah. And I look down, and there's my bullet from last year no laying way. on the ground. No way. So I pick it up and I put it in my bino case. Yeah. And um, so Bron, you know, the, the way he came up, he come up this draw and this draw forks. And so we kind of thought that he had taken the right fork as opposed to the left fork, which would have been brought to us. Oh, gotcha. So Bronson's like, go get that guy. And I'm like, going to go down and back up to catch the other fork. Oh, yeah. So I'm like hoofing it. And it's, you know, it, it's not the 
toughest mountain range I've ever been on, but it's it's a tough range. You know, yeah. like there's lots of country out there. Yeah, it's kind of tricky. You know, that grass can be almost mm-hmm. like kind of slippery. And too. rocks, you got dodge rocks. And there's you know big rocks, little rocks, and steep. Right, steep. Yeah. And you know you'll be hiking up and you'll catch a big rock and you can't step over it. You gotta go around. And so you're switching directions a lot and yeah. kind of weaving up through this country and sage and you know junipers, all that stuff. So you're, yep. you're I'm hoofing it and he. He did not take the right fork. <laughs> he took the left fork. Yeah. And I he catches me and I hear his hooves hit rock. Oh, That's no. how I heard him. Yeah. And I look over, he looks at me, and you know, maybe not the best thing in the world to do, mm-hmm. but I take a shot. Yeah. And I, I gut shoot this thing. And I just said to myself, I'm gonna die before I let this guy go. Yeah. Like I have to put him down. Yeah. So he starts running and I start running. And we just started playing this peekaboo game over the ridges. <laughs> oh, jeez, man. I hit the top of ridge. He hits the top of, like, the ridge in front the, of me. Yeah, the next ridge. Yeah. And I just keep running, keep running, keep running, take a couple more shots, and, you know, my gun's empty. And finally, I get to the point where I just have to run until I get so close that I can't miss. Yeah. And I start running. The gun's empty. I pulled that bullet out of my final case. The old bullet spent a, it's been a whole right. year out it's there. It's been a whole year out there. Yeah. Not thinking, you know, just not like I probably should have pulled a fresh one or something. You yeah, know? yeah. And I throw in the rifle and I close her up. And that's the that's the bullet that I killed him. See, that's yeah. poetic. It yeah. wouldn't be as poetic if you didn't do that. You know, that's. That's awesome, man. And uh, talk about an ethical man. Like people maybe who don't hunt or don't understand that. Where right. it's like, yeah, you shoot it, you miss, uh, you know. Like, but if you think you like you said, you, mm-hmm. you hit him in somewhere vital-ish, but not enough right. to get him to go down right. right away. Like he's gonna expire somewhere else. You know, right. he'll die somewhere. And, and else. I just, I, I just said I have to do one hundred ten percent. I got, I gotta get this guy down. Yeah, man. And good if he on hits you. the hard timber. That's that's gonna be a long time. <laughs> that's gonna be a long time. So man. yeah, just this epic like. My vision's closing in. I'm running uphill, running yeah. downhill, you know, and just, just like pull it together, pull it together. Yeah. You can do this, pull it together. Yeah, and then yeah. like people don't get it either, man. It's like going on almost like a full on sprint, and mm-hmm. then trying to make a good shot after that. And it's a big animal. It's still it's right. like being right. able to steady your breathing and calm yourself down, you know, and have a yeah. good trigger pull. Yeah, <laughs> takes a and, lot, man. And you know, a lot of times there's there's a lot of situations where you can be. Dead calm and a good rest of the position. Oh, we're about to lose and, it. Yeah, take a shot. But a lot of times you, you can't. If you're yeah. going to kill elk or kill animals, you have to be in good shape and you have to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. Let me pause this thing real quick and see if that died on us. Another camera death. <laughs> but, yeah, no, just having the guts to commit and, you know, being able to hike good and control your breathing when you shoot yeah yeah that's part of when at the very beginning we talked about when you practice you break it down into parts yeah and part of that practice control your breathing yeah absolutely man yeah and like you said having that fitness and like spend the time Mm -hmm. in the hills like like you guys are doing you know like prepping for hunting season getting out there and hiking around and and glassing and spotting right and yeah so yeah you know like you don't have to have fancy gear you can as long as you gear is like uh, an accessory, yeah. And if you have a good good accessories, you just you know that's great. If you don't, just as long as your shooting's good and you have a good team that supports you, get animals out. You know. Yeah, absolutely, and just kind yeah. of build. And then like even 
you know, to me, if at least if I was just going to get into something right now, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how much gear I'd be buying. It would be more like, uh, you know, like getting out there and doing it and be like, oh, what right. do I need? You know, because I, I, I mean, you can kind of guess, you know, from stuff, but like mm-hmm. building your personal kit, you know, you kind of need time on the ground right. to be able to build all that, you know, to see right. what you need, you know, like, like you said, switching over binos from a spotting scope, you know? Right, and that's just something I learned listening to podcasts, listening to Steve Rinelli, who's been an amazing hunter, activist, and you know getting knowledge out there he's not afraid to share knowledge yeah um so you know that's just something i learned and then we applied it and it worked it was great we, yeah you know, we're like yeah this is work this this makes sense yeah you know and not being like stubborn and stuck because i know like it seems like some old hunters kind of be like this is my spot right like there's no way the i've done it for 50 years yeah exactly yeah and you know i i know a few people that hunt that area that we hunt and this is like you watch them drive out every day, and they don't have an elk in the back. Yeah, man. So you have to adapt and learn, and there's different ways to do it. Yeah, yeah. totally, man. Like staying up on like your info, like some like meat eater, you know, Steve Vanilla, right? All the all the good folks who are out there are like helping helping improve the sport, I guess. You right. Know, of hunting, right. and you know, yeah, it's good to, good to, good to keep keep expanding your your brain mm-hmm. and and your tactics up too, right? right. Like and re- analyzing like every day. Like I went out today and. Maybe saw some, or like maybe the elk did something, or when did you? I don't know, like whatever scenario it might be, where right. like you were unsuccessful, and you're like, "Man, what could I do better?" You know, like and going right. home, and like whether you're like settling down in the evening with the fire and a whiskey, or like a you know hot chocolate or tea mm-hmm. or something, just kind of winding down. Like, all right. Well, know. it's like the it's like this trip, you know, like yeah, we're fishing, we're floating. I plan hopefully we'll have a little after action review yeah, and yeah, write down what was good and what was bad. That's a good call, man. And you know what gear worked, what didn't work. That's a really you know, good what call. What was catching fish, what was not catching fish. I didn't even think about yeah. that. That's a really good point. Like, mm-hmm. if you didn't say that, I probably wouldn't have thought about it. But that's right. Like, yeah. What was good about my raft and what made it better and what didn't? Yeah, yeah. And what trip can planning. I lose? And, you know. Yeah. And we're, we're, you know, we're joking around about calling this a Smithless trip. I don't know. Did we talk about that in the beginning? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, this might be the fallback, you know, the, the, the Mighty Mo trip. Or we go, I don't know, float something else. But. It's just a nice fallback if we can't play, float Smith, and then we can just keep making this trip better and keep getting better, right. you know, fishing the Missouri and yeah. until we get our Smith trip. You Lots know. of weeds this year. Is it normally this weedy? Yeah, I think so. This time of year, we, me and me and uh, Shank were talking about that. Like, you know, typically, you know, we're here early in the year. Like for me to have this time off is really unheard of, you know, in the wildland mm-hmm. world because you know fires are usually pretty heavy this time right. of year. So uh, I haven't fished too much in end of July, but. Um, but yeah, it sounds like so long story long. Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty weed this time of year. It's like you want to kind of hit it earlier. So, if, you know, next year, if none of us pulled a Smith for maybe we just plan to, you know, hit this, but a little earlier on. So it's right. not so weedy. Cause, right. And well, like you said, too, like doing the AAR, like in my brain, I've been, and I guess in my boat, we've been kind of doing a little bit like using, you know, the trichos we had yesterday, you know, like, um, and all three of us are using different flies, which helps a ton. And, you know, some people are having success on this and, you know, like on a hopper or whatever it might right. be, you know, and today we're trying to nymph and, you know, trying to see what works and, and what stretch a river, you know, right. seems to be having better luck for us too. Yeah. You know? And, you know, hunting, you get out there, you hunt, you get, you get an animal, you got the animal. And then when you get back to camp or to your house or wherever, you take your pack out and you pull each item out and you think, did I use this? Is this dirty? If it's still clean, chances are you don't need it. Yeah, totally. Especially yeah. like in the cold weather situation. Yeah. You know, you pull something out, and if it just sat in the ball of your pack, just put it aside. 
Yeah. It may have its place in certain circumstances, but like, you know, I, I do that a lot. Yeah. You know, we go up, we get an animal, we put it down, harvest it, get it out. And if you are digging through your pack and if whatever you pull out is still clean. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have a lot of that in this trip. Cause that's kind right. of planned on being, cause typically for people who don't know, the Smith trip is like a four to five day float, mm-hmm. typically five days, four nights, you know, camping as you go. So you just bring everything you need for that amount of time. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm in between that, <laughs> you know, like I, right. I feel like I've got stuff for that, but then I got maybe more stuff for that for the daily, you know, being right. still in like civilization, you know? So it's going to take a little bit of tweaking after this one, I think mm-hmm. for me at least. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was a, besides the the breaks, that was a pretty good podcast. A little over yeah. an hour long, I think with <laughs> the editing. Are um, we in an hour? Yeah. We're at hour 13. Oh yeah. Right now with, and I mean, we only had small breaks for, right. you know, the camera overheating on us. So for people who are wondering why there's a few little breaks, our backlight is an old school one, an old school shop light <laughs> with a two heavy, I don't even know what kind of bulb is in those suckers, but you know, I know construction dr- lighting. Construction lighting. Yeah. I know. I was going to say, I know drywallers that use <laughs> right. them and they're good in the winter. Usually when you're doing interior stuff, but not in a cabin in the summer. And right. For anyone else who's kind of wondering, we're in the, the backdrop for this video is uh, the Missouri river, you know, so we're in a section of the Missouri and an old family cabin and uh yeah so i guess to wrap up the podcast um just talking about more you know this trip and getting people together and kind of encouraging folks who might be listening to this like use public lands plan a trip right. and just and pay attention to who you vote for public yeah. lands is i don't you know like i just don't want them to go away yeah that's where guys like us that's our bread and butter yeah exactly man you like know, if I, you we know, don't own a huge ranch yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because like if you don't, yeah, if you don't have river a access, ranch, yeah, you know, keep keep the river access open. Yep, yeah, and, and like Smith is a state park. You know, right. that's why it's permit. And for folks who don't know, you know, and that's mm-hmm. you know, so it's public ground, but you gotta it's permitted, so it keeps the fishing. Um, I don't know. Keeps better. it good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It keeps it better. I was trying to think of a better word, but yeah, right. it keeps it better and keeps the the pressure on the fish down. Right. You know, because like the you know the Missouri at times of the year can get a little overpressured, and it's. I mean, it's crazy because it's a big river, as folks might be able to see from this video. But it's like, I mean, even today, we're in a few more drift boats than I expected, you know, and it's Tuesday, you know, so right in the middle of the week, pretty much, you know. So uh, anything to add on that? No, not really. It's been a great float. Fishing's been tough, but yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, fishing's been tough. Yeah, we're kind of drinking's been good. Drinking's been good. Yeah, beer's been cold. You know, fishing's been good. Yeah. Uh, Company's been great, man. It's been like, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, my, one of my uncles I see maybe once a year, you know, was able to come along. And another of my uncles who was supposed to be on the Smith trip, he's not here, but, you know, run into him down the way um, in a couple of days in Missoula and see him and the family. And like I said, like mostly you guys, like you and Shank and um, Carl and Bronson, you know, like I see Bronson a little bit more, but like I wouldn't see him but once a year if it wasn't for this. Right. So, yeah, these kind of things are important. Like you said, public lands are important. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely something worth fighting for. So folks yeah. who might be listening, you know, something to consider. Well, unless you got anything else, man. Yeah. Anything else? America. America. Yeah. Freedom. Uh, dude, I appreciate Two words, you. Free. Dumb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's all you need. That's all well, you need. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Man. No, thanks. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll do it again sometime, especially right. brewery. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I forgot I, forgot I was going to ask you about some brewery stuff. Yeah. Well, um, Avid Home Brewer. Yeah. 
just under pro level. Just under pro. Yeah, getting pretty semi-pro right now. Yeah, getting there. Yeah, so. Reminds me of a Will Ferrell movie. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking, the tropics. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so hopefully on the next podcast we have you on. Yeah. You know, no, you absolutely. Might be breaking ground on a brewery. Mm-hmm. Kind of future plans, right? Yeah. So, uh, and the next brewery, and so the next podcast might even be other brewery. Um, still working on my Airstream <laughs> trailer, so that'll be the studio, hopefully by the end of the summer. I keep saying that, but that'll be there and then but this hopefully will be i'll have my house done by tomorrow but, yeah you know yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's positive thinking <laughs> right yeah so thanks again glenn i really appreciate yeah. you man yeah thanks yeah we'll see you on the next one and uh you know tonight fishing cheers cheers brother